Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I'm going to do something tonight. Everybody that has your Bible, raise your Bible up. Say, <laughs> you raise your phone up now, don't you? Everybody say this, this word... You gotta do the southern now, right? This word, show does feel good, don't it? I want you to open your Bible. We're gonna go into a very interesting study and I'm gonna have to slow this down because there are a lot of scriptures. So if you're one that writes, you might as well get ready and kind of stay, stay in tune with me. Several months ago, the Spirit of God put it in my heart to write a book called Your Final Journey. And what happens when you're on your final journey home? What happens in heaven? And so many details about things in heaven. I was surprised when I saw this because I have seen this a thousand times and never researched it. And I'm going to start here and I'm going to build something up about heaven. Because uh, this is not necessarily a message on heaven itself, but it will deal with what will happen in heaven. I preached at my camp meeting a few weeks ago three things I fear about going to heaven. Now, I'm not going to give you that entire message because I'm going to skip over three pages of it to get to three points that are very significant because someone said, well, you shouldn't be afraid of going to heaven. There's nothing to fear. There are three things that are very frightening about you going to heaven and me going to heaven. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But this is the verse I want to... Revelation chapter uh, 15. I don't know if I told you to go there or not, but if you go to chapter 15... And uh, guys on the camera, I do walk around a lot. I'll try, to, I'll try to hold back as much as possible. Revelation chapter 15, verse 5. After these things, verse 5, I, look, I looked and behold. Now look at this long sentence. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony was open in heaven. And out of the temple came seven angels having seven plagues, clothed with pure bright linen, having their chest girded with golden bands. In a moment... I'm going to be talking about some things that exist in heaven, such as record books, the book of life, recording events, prayer bowls, and all these wonderful things that we read about in Scripture. If you will read the book of Revelation, you will discover it mentions the temple of God in heaven on numerous occasions. We know what that is because it was patterned when Moses built the tabernacle and when Solomon built the temple, it was patterned after what he saw in heaven according to the book of Hebrews. So when you look at heaven, and I'm going to do my weakest at trying to explain something that's the greatest. The, the firmament above your head when you look at it looks like a crystal. That's found in the Old Testament. So above your head is like a crystal. Just picture that in your mind. The floor that you will stand on is not gold at the throne room. It is a sea of crystal glass. What makes it amazing is as the glory of God radiates on crystal, it's just like sun hitting a diamond. You will have rainbows of color shooting above the sky above you. You'll have uh, the floor on one occasion, John says, it looked fiery red. And another occasion, it looks like it's glass. And it depends on the presence of God and the glory and the light coming from God as to how the upper atmosphere will change. How the, can you all see this already? That's where we're going to stand the moment we get to heaven is in the temple of God in heaven. 
The throne of God changes colors. It can be like a solid sapphire. Ezekiel said he was riding on a sapphire. And a sapphire stone is a beautiful deep, deep blue color. Then Daniel said he had, a, he had a throne of fire. And at times the throne changes into the appearance of fire. And then John said in the book of Revelation that the throne turned white. So it goes from a sapphire throne, then it goes into a red color throne, and it goes into a white throne at the judgment called the great white throne judgments. And every now and then God's throne will be sat upon the shoulders of four cherubim, Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel chapter 10. And when he sits on those the shoulders of the cherub and he flies, because the Bible said God rode upon a cherub and did fly and was seen upon the wings of the wind. And Ezekiel said, I saw a whirlwind coming out of the north and the cherubim were carrying the throne of God and it was a wheel within the middle of a wheel. And the Ark of the Covenant had four men carrying it, four, two at the front, two at the back. There's four living creatures of the throne of God, like the ox and the eagle and a lion and a man. It's very similar to what you see about the Ark of the Covenant. But when they lifted that Ark up, the God could sit down on that Ark. If you'll read the Bible once a year on the Day of Atonement, God would come down between the wings of the cherub and would sit on that Ark of the Covenant on the lid called the Mercy Seat. But every now and then when God wants to go to war, and this is found in the book of Ezekiel, it becomes a chariot. The Hebrew word is called the Merkabah, and there's a wheel turning and another wheel turning and another wheel turning and another wheel turning and Ezekiel said when I looked up I saw the chariot carrying the throne of God and he was fire from the loins up and fire from the loins down oh look at your neighbor and say neighbor we got something to look forward to now the throne of God sits but there are several pieces of furniture in heaven there's the golden altar where the prayers are offered in Revelation chapter 8 there is the candlesticks. There are seven churches of Asia. We assume there's seven branch candlestick called the menorah that's in heaven. There's also another piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. And you will find this in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. That when you stand looking, I'm going to turn my back toward you and pretend that this is the, where the throne of God is located. If you remember Isaiah, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The train is the back part of an oriental robe. If you see a bride and you see the back part of her robe, that long part, sometimes the bridesmaids are lifting. That's called the train. So God sits upon the throne and he has, a, he has a, some type of an appearance of some type of a clothing that has a train to it. But it fills, it's so big, it fills the temple. And above it stands the seraphims and the cherubim. And they're crying, holy, holy, holy. But there is doors, according to the Bible, to the temple of God in heaven. And the doors are specifically this building I'm about to tell you about. Because in that building, at those doors, John said, I saw the temple of God open in heaven and I saw the Ark of the Covenant. And the angels were on the inside. Now that Ark of the Covenant, not the one that Moses built, but the original one in heaven... If you take the throne of God, put it in front of you. Now, no, we're not talking about a little throne sitting here. We're talking about massive, man. So massive you couldn't even describe it. But then there are these massive doors. When those doors open, you go into this massive chamber. I cannot even tell you how big this temple, watch this, temple of the tabernacle of the testimony is. Now, the question is this. We have the temple itself called the temple compound where God's throne is. That is called the temple. But there's another room, and the entrance to that room is behind the throne of God, where the door, these, I, look, 
Don't even picture this. Picture the Empire State Building. Picture the Statue of Liberty. Picture the World Trade Center. We're talking about some doors. And when those doors swing open, you come to the Ark of the Covenant. I wish I had time to preach on the blood of Jesus being on that Ark. Mm, I wish I had time. That's a whole other message. But in other words, if you go in there, and Paul talks about that, by the way, not the Ark, but the temple of the, the furniture in heaven being sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you go in there, you're going to come to the temple of the tabernacle. Now, temple is the general area where the throne is that I've just described to you. Tabernacle was the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament that was in the form of a tent. So when you enter the doors, you come out of the temple to the temple of the tabernacle. And here's the part that's important of the testimony. Now, what in the world is the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony? When you keep reading in the book of Revelation, I'm going longer than I want on my introduction. But when you begin to read about the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony, here's what you discover. That angels are coming out of that place during the tribulation carrying trumpets, trumpet judgments, bowls, bowl judgments. And the key is testimony. Because let me tell you what is inside this temple that is so massive that it might be the size of your entire city, not a building. It's massive. You ready? Yes, sir. The name of every person that was born or was to be born on the earth called the book of the living in the book of Psalms. It's recorded in the testimony room. The, where's the Lamb's book of life? There's recording angels in the room of the testimony that when you testify and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you confess with your heart, you believe with your heart, and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in the testimony room. But here's, here's another part. There are books in heaven. There are, real quickly... Lamb's book, book of Destiny, Book of Destiny, which is the book of the living, Lamb's book of life. Then there are other books such as the book of tears. David said, are not my tears written in your book? Yep. That's right. God keeps a record of the tears you've cried. He knows the number of the stars and calls them all by their name. Revel, uh, Malachi chapter 4 there's a book of remembrance. The book of remembrance, you're going to love this. I can prove it. See, I'm preaching to you 20 messages in one. I don't know if you realize this. Because I could go on a rabbit trail and be here all night long. This bunch crazy enough to be here all night long. Some just told me they're crazy enough to be here all night long. All right. Now, the book of remembrance is the word zikaron, and it is tied into Acts 10, 1 through 4, where Cornelius was praying always and giving alms or giving his charity, giving finances to help the poor. And the Lord sent an angel to him that said, your prayers and your giving have come up before God as a memorial. That word memorial is remembrance. There's a book in heaven, you're going to love it now, that when you pray and you worship God, and you give your tithe, and give your offering, it is recorded in a book of remembrance in heaven. You ready, you ready for me to tell you the good news about that book? 
If your name is in that book, read the book of Malachi chapter 4. God says this, and they, the people whose name's in the book, they shall be mine in the day that I make up my jewels. So in other words, when he comes and returns to gather us together and make up our jewels, it's not just significant to be in the book of life. It's important to be in the book of remembrance. Now watch me. Being in the book of life will get you to heaven. Being in the book of remembrance will get you your reward. Drop the mic. That's good. You tracking with me? How many, have, how many of you are tracking with me? Raise your hand. That's my phrase. Raise your hand. I want to make sure I don't, I don't want to go on until we get you. Okay. Now, when you think about going to heaven, doesn't that kind of make you want to just take a trip there real quick and come back? Does, how, many, how many of you are listening to this and saying, ooh, man, I didn't know it was quite like that. You know what I mean? I used to picture heaven as Star Trek. You know that platform in the middle of nowhere? If you step off the edge, oh, you fall into eternity, into some abyss. I mean, that's what I used to think it used to be. Okay. Some of you don't even know what I'm doing. It's okay. <laughs> so, I was, let me just tell you what was happening. Um, let, can we go ahead? Let's just go, let's just dig into this, okay? We're going to dig into it. I may go way off the notes. I may be on the notes. I may be on my head. I don't know, but we'll do something here in just a minute. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says in Job 28 and 28, the fear of the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. And then it says in Psalms 111, in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The one thing that's lacking everywhere, including the church, is the fear of the Lord. Because the teaching today is don't fear anything. You can make it through anything. You can be what you want to be. I love that kind of teaching that builds people's faith, builds their identity. But I'm going to tell you something. You've got to, quit that. You've got to stop some point acting stupid. And realize that if you keep doing stupid, there is no pill for stupid. Right? And, you, and, and you're dating people that you know are in a mess and going to get you in a mess. And you go to and hang out at their, their party and they start getting you doing what they're doing. And you know you're going to end up in the wrong direction and you do it anyhow. Preach, Perry. I'm going to. Okay. Now, going back to what I originally said. I was studying the Bible and I realized. Now, I want you to follow me carefully. That there are three things that I'm afraid of. About heaven. And I'm going to go through those, and I'm going to tell you the first one. The first one is in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. And you don't have to take all the notes. You might want to write the verse down. Here's what it says. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord... We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust that we, you, you, I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Meaning, I hope your conscience is clear when you get ready to stand before the Lord. Now, let, I'm going to break this down for you and I'm going to share something with you. I'm just going to take my time. Thank you all five of you. I'll preach to the five that said amen. The rest of you can sit back while I take my time. When I grew up in classical Pentecost, when you got saved, you really got saved. When you got saved, you just quit drinking. 
when you got saved, you didn't have habits. You just, you, it's like you dropped them and you went cold turkey. Everyone was saying, well, maybe in the next year I can get, no, no. You went cold turkey because there was something about the preaching and the conviction that was so strong in that day and the, and the wanting to serve God, not to do anything that would offend him, that you just lay aside your weight, your sin, your devils, your friends. Come on, you laid aside anything and everything that you just thought, this ain't right, I'm done. Now, it brought persecution to you. How many remember that? It brought persecution. Man, what are you, a religious fanatic? What are you, a religious nut? What are you, a Jesus freak? But your love for God was greater than the love for the world. I mean, it really was. I'm just honest with you. I saw these people growing up and they were, listen, nowadays if somebody gets sick, you got to have a 25-hour prayer meeting to get them healed. When I grew up, you called Granny. She spoke in tongues all day long. Call Grandma, quick, Fred's dying. Grandma, Fred's dying. Don't worry, honey, it'll be okay. He cut up. And there you go. Fred got healed within an hour. Come on. I'm really serious. This is how I grew up. I grew up around people that talked in tongues more than they talked in English. But I'm going to tell you one thing. When you needed a miracle, that's where you went. When you needed deliverance, that's where you went. When you needed healing, that's where you went. And it happened. Almost inevitably it happened. Now, what bothers me today is Christians, they go to church, they profess Christ, but they allow themselves to operate in areas that, okay, legal sins. Now, we're all pre we've all heard, don't commit adultery, don't commit fornication, don't murder, don't, don't, don't. We've heard that. But that's the ones we really aren't going to do. We ain't going to do that. You ain't going to catch me doing that. No way. Okay, but we will <clears throat> lie, slander, hate, cause discord, cause division, and walk in deception and think nothing of it. Here's your good story. A church service is going on. All right? All of a sudden, a girl, it's just all you hear is a female voice who jumps up in the middle of the service and begins to scream crazy stuff. Screaming, just screaming. Security comes and takes her out, okay? They later find out the security guy recognized her as someone that went there years ago. And it just so happened that she was staying with a family that used to go to that church, that's mad at that church. The people in town heard about it, and our, our town is a small town, uh, for example, so small towns get word out faster. And it just so happened that there was a reporter there that night recording the service. This will happen. Then they put this in the paper where you could listen to it. Somebody hears it and calls this girl. What in the world are you up to? What, are you crazy? What do you mean? What do you mean? I just heard your voice disrupted a church service. Quote, that wasn't me. I was in Atlanta that night. That wasn't me. And the security people had her name and knew who she was. And it was her. But she can disrupt a service, think nothing about it. She can slander and think nothing about it. She can lie and think nothing about it, but yet she gonna condemn anybody else in the church. Right. Come, on. Come on. And then we find out from the town that she was put up, 
she called a newspaper guy and said, this is what I'm going to do, show up. And he put a fake beard on and posed where nobody could recognize him and sat right near and recorded the whole thing. Just, it was a setup. But yet, if you ask her if she's saved, I'm going to say it. Christians who are real Christians don't do that kind of stupidity. Christians who are real Christians don't do things like that. How can people lie, slander, hate, cause trouble, cause discord, division, deception? Here's five verses for you. Here we go. First Timothy four and two. They have seared their conscience with a hot iron. In the old day when you got a cut, you know how they fixed it? They didn't stitch it. They cleaned it and took a hot iron in, a, in fire and held the metal up to it and it seared everything there and sealed, the, sealed it. This is the old school way. This is the Civil War way, by the way, in some instances. And they, and, they, and they seared it and it killed every nerve around it. You couldn't feel nothing. You were dead right there in that spot. And he says their conscience is dead. They've done so much crazy stuff, they don't even think it's wrong anymore. Preach on, I'm going to. 1 Timothy 4 and 2. Here, listen to this one. And speaking lies in hypocrisy. They know they lie, but they say it anyway, and they're being hypocrites by saying, well, preach on, Perry. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. They are seduced by seducing spirits. The word seducing, we think seducing is sexual seduction. It can be that, but in Greek, it, it means, it, it actually is the Greek word for tramp, and it means for someone to come in and say, get out of your normal place and hit the street with me, and we're just going to roam around and do what we want to do, cause trouble. It separates you. From what is right. Matthew 14, 13. Many will be offended. Betray one another. Hate one another. Because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. Psalms 36 and verse 1. They have no fear of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm just thinking of something funny. Jesus said, woe to you lawyers. There's going to be more people in hell for lying than probably anything else that has existed on the planet because they do it all the time and justify what they're doing. Here's what you need to know. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what we did and said. Every word. Now look at me, folks. That's scary. It got quiet. Matthew 7, 22 through 23. This is scary. Many, not a few, not some. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That word know, there's several Greek words for know, knowing knew. And that word comes from a Greek word to mean to have an intimate relationship with you. I never understood that verse. I grew up never understanding that verse. When my Calvinist friends, I had a lot of Calvinist friends would read that verse, I would say, well, that looks like somebody that knew the Lord that they backslid. They said, no, you can't backslid. If you backslide, you never really were saved. So I never understood it. I was confused about that verse until I found out what the Greek word meant. And the Greek word means this. You went through the ritual. You went through the motion. You went through the routine. You even talked about my word, but you really had no walk with me at all. We were not intimate together in a relationship. That might be half the church world in the United States. 
Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he that does the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father? What Jesus said. You read it, you do it. You read it, you do your best you can to obey it. You read it, you follow it. That's what it means. That's doing the will of the Father, okay? Everyone who has ever lived on the planet, now this is everybody in this room under the sound of my voice, if there's anybody watching on the internet, everybody will stand at either one or two judgments. And this is the part that, you know, people don't like to hear this, honestly. It's a little uncomfortable. I have to tell you, it is a little uncomfortable. But if you'll get the word tonight, it might straighten you up. Or one day when you stand before him, you'll be comfortable and not uncomfortable. That's what I'm trying to get you to right there. See? That's what the whole message is about. But everybody has to do this. This is inescapable. It's appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment. But which one? There's two. One is called the Bema, B-E-M-A in Greek. It is called in English, the judgment seat of Christ. And the second one is called in the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment. Now for right now, I don't want to talk about the great white throne judgment. I want to explain to you what the Bema is. A Bema was an elevated rostrum in the center of the Roman forum where the city officials would address the city. Also where public trials would occur. Now this is a Bema. Believe it or not, we call it a platform. But in the Greek, in a, in a Jewish synagogue, this would be the bima. It is the raised platform where the Torah scroll sits. It's the raised platform where the rabbi sits and where the guest speaker sits. This would be called in Greek a bima. We call it the platform. So watch what happens. The word bima in Greek is to go, alluding to a person to go and stand up. Watch the phrase, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a sit down face to face drinking coffee. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Let's talk about what you did for me. Jesus is sitting on a throne looking at you and you have to get up as he calls your... Now, think, now I'm telling you folks, this is real. And you stand like this and look at him. You stand. Then it says this. In heaven, this is where Christ sits to judge each person who claimed to follow him. In the 8th century BC, a judge would sit at the games and watch and see who crossed the finish line. That's what Paul said when he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, let us run the race with patience. This is what he's alluding to is you have to cross the finish line you have to finish your, listen, can I tell you something? You better listen to this. It does not matter how many times you fall down. It matters how many times you got up. Because a good man falls down seven times, the book of Proverbs down, but a good man gets up. So he's not going to look at you and say, well, how many times you fall down, you nut, tripping up all the time, tripping over rocks, stumbling block, rolling on the ground, dropping the baton. What he's going to say is, did you finish strong? It's not did you fail, it's can you finish strong? I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not did you mess up, everybody messes up. It's can you finish strong? Can you pick your baton back up, brush yourself off, and keep on running and looking under Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith that's the important part Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost all right notice this now your finish line of your race will either be when you die that's when you cross it or at the rapture when the rapture happens it's over race is done so our finish line will be one of those two events now let me read to you some scriptures and I told you we're gonna go through a lot of scriptures 2nd Timothy 4 1 
I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead. That's a King James wording. Quick is living. The new translations translated correctly, who shall judge the living and the dead. Now, wait a minute. How do you judge dead people if they're dead? Well, I understand judging living people because they're alive, but how do you judge, judge, judge dead people when they're dead? Because the dead in Christ will rise at the rapture. Meet the Lord in the air, and those of us who are alive will be changed and caught up to meet them in the air. So the, the living ones are the ones who are caught up at the rapture, who are caught up to heaven with the Lord. And the dead are those, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, that he brings with them their soul and spirit out of paradise, out of the third heaven, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The place where paradise is, if you have a loved one who died in Jesus, their body's in the grave somewhere in Alaska, perhaps, or somewhere in the States, but their soul and spirit's with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when, when Christ comes, the dead who are, their spirits will come back to earth, join their body, have a resurrection, and those of us who are alive will be changed, caught up. That is the judgment of the quick and the dead at his appearing, now watch, and at his kingdom. His appearing is the rapture, but his kingdom is when he returns to earth. Who, the, who are the people he's going to raise up when he returns to earth to rule and reign? Answer, the tribulation martyrs. Everybody martyred in the tribulation will be raised, and he has to judge them at the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem, in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, where the judgment of the sheep and the goat takes place. Does that make sense to everybody? Raise your hands. i got to make sure. Well, I've lost half of them. We're, we're still doing good. Half of them understand it. So... Let's say, let's say, let's say you're pre-trib, living and dead, meet the Lord, we go to the Bema. Let's say you go through the tribulation, you die a martyr, you're resurrected at the end of the tribulation, Daniel 12, verse 1, but you still don't get out of judgment. Your judgment at that point will be at, ours is at the appearing, right? Yours, if you, if you go through the tribulation, you die in the tribulation, you'll have to be raised that's where Daniel said that some will rise to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt, right? But there'll be a judgment on earth. So can I say this? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, guess what? You're going to the judgment. You can't, my point is you can't get out of it. All right. You want some more words? Say, shout yes. yes. Luke 9 and 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, that means on earth, of himself, a son of man, this is Jesus, be ashamed of when he shall come in his glory and, and, and in his father and, and, and with the holy angels. Meaning, if you are afraid to tell people you're a Christian down here and you don't want to act like you're a Christian, you want to hide it. He said, okay, wait till you stand before me and I'll say, I don't even know who they are. Because if you, now think about this, this is heavy. If you deny him before men, the father at this judgment, at the judgment, the Father will be there and the holy angels. Isn't that what he said? Before my Father and the angels, I will say, I don't even know who you are. Can I tell you that's scary? Does that kind of do something for anybody here like, man, I do not want to be in that group. You don't want to be in that group. Woo! Man, I feel the anointing, very heavy. All right, here's another one. Romans, boy, this is a good one. Romans 14, 10 through 13. Why do you judge your brother? 
Or why do you show contempt for your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it's written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself or herself, by the way, to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Maybe I should read that again. That's pretty heavy. Can I read it again? We all let me read it again. Why do you judge your brother? That means why are you always criticizing? I just tell you, I don't, you know what I think about him? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'll tell you what I think. Why are you doing that? God says, he says, why are you doing that? Why do you show such a contempt for somebody who's supposed to be a brother or sister in Christ? Why are you, why are you doing that? We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It is written as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow together and every tongue confess to God. Do you know that normally, now I know this is the New King James translation. We know it says every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But do you know it says here, every knee will confess to God. Question, what are you confessing? The context is you've been judging people. So you have to confess to God and you're going to tell him why you did what you did. But, but, but God, uh, uh, oh Lord, what am I going to say? I want to know why you were so belligerent when my spirit told you to keep your mouth shut and all you wanted to do was gossip. Why? Uh, oh, oh God, I, 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 I don't have an answer. It was pride is what it was. Do you not know how much I hate pride? Do you not know Lucifer fell because of pride? This is what we're talking about. That's why I'm afraid of the judgment. Now someone says, well, are, are you going to get unafraid? Yeah, I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> you don't think I'm just going to preach this and all of a sudden, eh, 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 you know, be no, there's a way to help yourself in the presence of God. Just want you to know. I want you to know that. Okay. John 12, 48. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. Meaning you're going to be judged by the Bible, right? Not your opinion, not what you thought. What did he say? If you, woo, that's why where little is known, little is required. Where much is known, much is required. God requires more of you if you know the word. For it had been better for that man never to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turned from it. That's in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Okay, here, now here's one. <laughs> it's going to get scarier as we go along. It will get better. I promise you, it will get better. Romans 2, 15 through 16. Secrets will be revealed. Who shows the work written in the law in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. Their own thoughts accuse them or excuse them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. In Romans 10, 16, in the day when God shall judge, listen to this, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my conscience, according to my gospel. Now, basically, and there's other verses that would say this too, you're, now watch, by your word, your words, you are justified, or by your words, you're condemned. Because your own, con the conscious of your, see, conscious is a spirit thing. Conscious is not flesh, because your flesh ain't got a conscious. No, 
conscience is not fleshly. Because your conscience would say things you shouldn't say, do things you shouldn't do, be mean toward people, slap folks on top of the head. Come on. Your, your conscience has no conscience. It is your spirit man or spirit woman or the spirit in you that's the eternal part of you and the soul that's connected to the spirit that's redeemed. That's where the conscience is. And what is the conscience? The conscience is what... That the conscience is if you go and grab some money from somebody and stick it in your pocket and you know you stole it, your conscience will say, man, that was wrong and you won't sleep all night. If you have a decent conscience. Other people can steal all the time and they get so hardened in their heart to it that they have a seared conscience. Seared, no feeling. Your nerves have feeling. Ow! But once it's been seared, remember me talking to you what they did in the old days? Slap it. I didn't feel nothing. Take a knife, jab it. I didn't feel nothing. It's, it's awful to be able to do wrong and not feel bad about it. To me, that might be the scariest thing about being a human being is if you can ever say something you want to say anytime you want to say it, do what you want to do anytime you want to do it, and not have the conviction come on you. Listen, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of anything, I don't care if you even told somebody off, you lost your temper, little stuff. If you get convicted, you need to say, thank you, Jesus. Woo, thank you. And tell you why. Because His Spirit is still working with you if He convicts you. But man, if you ever get to that place where you can just do anything you want to do, and, and, and it's like people are telling you, man, that's crazy, that's wrong. I don't care what anybody says. I'm my own man. I'm my own man. I'll do what I want to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me what. Ooh, look out. Ooh. Because your own, in, in the judgment, it's your own words that will either justify you or it'll be your own words that will condemn you. And your own, listen, look at what, look what he said. Their conscience, their con this is the judgment. Their conscience also bearing them witness and their thoughts that they had, the thoughts you had on earth, either accusing them or excusing them. So let, let each man give an account of himself, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but resolve this to not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. St a stumbling block. Anybody, know, anybody want to know what a stumbling block is? Raise your hand. I'll tell you what a stumbling block is. All right. How many knows what a stumbling block is? Raise your hand. Not your wife, not your husband. No, don't look at them. <laughs> stumbling block in Greek. To stop your progress and cause difficulty in some form. To stop your progress or cause difficulty in some form. Let me tell you the two stumbling blocks in the early church. Stumbling block number one was sacrificing meat to idols and then going to a market and buying it. A Jew would never, because of conscience sake and the law, go to a Greek, a, a Greek market, a Gentile market, and buy a meat that had been... See, what they would do, they would cut an animal up and the priest would take part of it and burn it on the altar and then they would come and sell it at what, what they called the shambles, which was the market in the city. You see these in third world countries, meat hanging up, you know. That's the last place I'm going to eat, I'm going to tell you that right now. But so the Jews said because it was sacrificed to an idol, you shouldn't eat it. And Paul came along and said, look, idols ain't nothing. And that piece of meat that was sold ain't nothing. But if you're going to fuss at me because I am going to eat it, then I'm not going to eat it as long as the world stands. And then he tells them again, but if you are in somebody's house and they give you meat, don't ask them, hey, where'd you buy this at? Right. 
No, he really did say this. He said, pray over it and ask no questions for conscience sake. You don't want to offend the host, but at the same time, you don't want to have your own conscience bothered, right? I mean, I've been to a couple places in, in third world countries where they put something in front of me and I wasn't about to eat it or ask where it came from. I got to tell by looking at it, that was from some wild animal in the bush. You understand what I'm saying? Like, oh man, I'm fasting today. I'm fasting, boys. I'm, I'm good. Brother, better eat it. No, I'm fasting, brother. I'm fasting. And I will tell my funny story about the egg of the goat, but I won't because I'm trying to stay serious. But there's a funny story there. All right. So in other words, that was a stumbling block to some people. Here's a second stumbling block in the church, circumcision. The Gentiles didn't believe that you had to be circumcised once you came to the Lord, right? And all the Jews were like, oh, oh, oh. God said to Abraham, you must circumcise the foreskin of your flesh on the eighth day. These Gentiles are not even in covenant with God unless they're circumcised. And they got in this huge argument and almost put the church right down the middle over that. Yeah. Of all things. <laughs> I mean, look, I can think of... I can, think of a, I can think of five things to split a church over. What's your church split over? Hey, you're not gonna believe it, Bill. You're not gonna believe it. Come on, what's split? I, Bill, just don't, I just don't wanna talk about it, Bill, okay? I mean, can you imagine a church split over this? And we're reading in the, the Jew, but the reason it was so serious is because in the time of Abraham, it was a sign of the covenant. So we don't wanna undermine that because that was serious to the Lord at the time and the, soul, the Jewish boys, you know, and so Paul had some of these Gentile men circumcised to keep Jewish people from fussing. I am going to preach somewhere else. Uh, you understand if Paul says, no, Paul, I'm going to the Gentiles. Paul, you go to the Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm going to the boat right here. I'm going to Turkey and preach to those crazy Gentile people. No, that's, it's like Pastor said, that's commitment. You know, that's real commitment. Now, I say that and we're kind of cutting up, but you know, that was serious in the book of Acts. The church almost split straight down the middle over those two things. And here's what they taught. It was becoming a stumbling block. In the Old Testament, it would say, do not put a stumbling block in a path of a blind person. God considered it almost a crime. If a blind person is walking and they've got their little walking, so let's say they had a walking cane, you've seen those. And if, for meanness, they would put like a log in front just to watch them trip. And God said, no, 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 you will not put a stumbling block in the path of the blind. That was in the law of Moses. Now, stumbling blocks today are <laughs> somewhat, somewhat different than they were back in that day. Now. I'm going to try to say this. Give me a minute here because I've got to put this together. I've got several notes, but I want to try my best to put it together in the way the Spirit of God wants me to say this to you. I am four generations minister, been preaching 46 years. So I have, as the expression said, I have been around the block my entire life. I've seen old school Pentecost that I came up with where women never cut their hair. Women did not wear makeup. They did not wear jewelry. And I just got one thing to say about that. Thank God when that law changed. <laughs> Come here, baby. Come here, baby. My, my wife thanks God that the law changed. Because she's from old school, weren't they? Really good people now. Don't get me wrong. Godly good people. But very caught up in the outward. I want you to listen to me and give, as I give you an illustration. Take a church full of people. 
a family gets offended for whatever reason, maybe, maybe it was legitimate that they got upset. Maybe it wasn't. They leave the church, and all they do in the town is badmouth the church. Now watch. They have unsaved kids or kids that aren't quite saved, and they sit at the table and in the house, and they talk about it. I've watched it a thousand times. And those kids quit church and never come back. And what God showed me about five years ago when I was preaching at our big conference, he said, what people don't realize is that the moment that they are offended and they are trying to destroy down or harm the people they are offended with, if they're in ministry, they don't realize that those children <laughs> will grow up and never listen to the person preach, never go to that church, and may die lost and go to hell because mom and dad turned them away from ministry. They didn't know they were doing it. They were upset, they were mad, they were getting off there. But they said things and the children now say, you want me to go? You, it's a bunch of hypocrites. I heard you sit at the table and all you did was say, Pastor so-and-so ain't nothing but a hypocrite. And now, see what happens is mom and dad, a few years later, they repent and get right with God. They go back, they humble themselves. We were wrong, they've lost their kids. Guess what they created? A stumbling block. Your words of how you... This is why the Bible is... Am I helping anybody here? This is why the Bible is so serious and so strict on be careful. Get, this is what it basically teaches. If you have an ought against your brother, go to your brother. If, if, it's, if it's a serious thing and he's rebelling and not listening... Take somebody who's spiritual and go with him and approach him a second time. Then it gives you an order of what to do if they are belligerent, right? But here's the thing. Paul says this little stuff going on, the little bickering, the little backbiting, the little envy, the little jealousy, all that stuff. He said, you've got to stop it. Because if you don't stop it, you will give an account to God to explain to him why you didn't stop it. And God will show you. This is the part that's going to be real heavy. God will show you all the damage you did and you will see, I, I believe this from people who, who died and went to heaven, they had a life after death experience, you, get, you will see the faces of everybody in hell that you helped take there. God flashes them. And them screaming in hell of all the people that you kept out because at the time that you were angry. Does that make sense to anybody? Do you understand why I'm saying this is something we have to really start looking at? Okay. Those who killed people and were let off in prison because they murdered and a lawyer got them off, the person they killed will testify against them at the great white throne judgment. Mafia and drug dealers are in great danger for everyone they killed will testify against them in judgment at the great white throne. I said I wasn't going to preach on that, but that's what this is. The great white throne judgment is not for the church. The great white throne judgment is for the people of the world. Second Peter 2, 20 through 22. For if after we've escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you're tangled therein again and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they knew it to have turned from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened according to the true proverb. This is really gross, but listen to this proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the pig that was washed is now wallowing again in the mire. This is why the Bible says in James chapter 5, Confess your faults one to another and 
pray one for another that you may be healed. That does not just mean physical healing. There's emotional healing, and you can't get emotionally healed till you get some stuff out of your spirit. Confess that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Here's the second thing. Ready? Listen to this carefully. A person should be very aware of the fact that there are books in heaven that record all that you have done in your body and your deeds, and you are judged out of what is written in the books. Here is a verse, and this is a verse that's a general verse, but it also applies to the beam. It's a white throne judgment verse. And I saw the dead and small stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things, which are written in the books, plural, according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. The death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. I'm going to go ahead and read this. 2 Peter chapter 5, 24 and 25. Some men's sins are open beforehand and before going before to judgment and some men they follow them after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand so that and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Now, I'm going to explain this to you very quickly and I'm going to show you uh, a little bit of what this has reference to. There are things that people do that they never get caught for on earth that were totally wrong. I'm thinking of politicians. <laughs> Past politicians that... It's real funny how they want to stick one guy in jail, but there's one woman that did treason. She never went to jail, never will. Just, I don't, you don't know who I'm talking about, so I don't... I'm not. No, you really don't. You don't know. Okay, now let us assume that they really did wrong, they tried to destroy people, they just tried to, they lied, and they got by with it. Can I tell you something? They never really got by with it. They never really did. Because on earth, they got by with it. This is what Paul's telling you here. On earth, they got by with it, but some people's sins precede them to judgment. You ready for this? What does that mean? It's exposed where they confess before they ever go to judgment. And if it's exposed and they confess before they go to judgment, they don't have to answer at the judgment because they got it right. Did y'all get that? I would rather have my stuff done now. Get it out of the way, get it straightened out, and me make my heart right now and hear him say, well done then hide it, die, go to judgment. And here's, this, here's the blanket. Pulled off. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying some men, some people, are going to have their sins exposed before the judgment, and that's your judgment. You'll get it in a minute. That's your judgment. Sometimes it brings embarrassment. Sometimes it brings shame. That's your judgment. You've got your judgment. Don't have to get it in heaven now if you repent. But then there's some people, they just go on and do what they want and they feel so happy about it. Their name is never in the paper. Their name is never on TV. They can go around and shimmy around like a snake and hide. Oh, you little snake, you have no idea. Because God is going to look at you and expose everything in front of you. 
So what does that mean? It means it's better to make things right now. Now let's look at works. Let's look at works. What are some of the works that we're judged for? This is really good. Now, now, I hope this is where you catch on to the flip side of this. Whoever shall give a cup of cold water to someone in my name shall not lose their reward. Cup of cold water? Are you kidding me? Nope. All right. When you feed poor people, when you clothe poor people, when you help a widow, when you help orphans, when you do good deeds that are that glorify the Lord to help anybody, even, watch this, a cup of cold water. Jesus said, you will be rewarded for that. Can you believe it? Well, there's nothing I can do for God. Start you a water ministry, honey. You'll have a big reward one day. Oh, what? I'm serious. Let me tell you what happened to us. I do not call garbage collectors on a garbage truck garbage collectors. I think that's just not a good term. I call my guys who pick up our garbage sanitation engineers. One day, it was Christmas. It was the day before Christmas, I think, or day after. It was, no, it was before. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go give them all $100. They work hard. It was cold out. I said, hey, guys, wait, come here. I gave one 100 He said, are you, what's that for? I said, because y'all have been doing this all year. He said, come here, give me one. So they ran, right, I'm standing there, so they go to the truck, and they say, hey, the driver wants one, too. <laughs> I said, man, I'm sorry, I forgot about it. I got it right here. I go, all right. That was so neat, I did it for nothing. Do you know what those guys do? Only to my house. Every garbage can stays where they dump it, on the sidewalk. You know what these guys do? Every time they get the garbage, they roll them right back up. I ain't gotta take my, I ain't gotta take my garbage cans back. Every I drive back in here, well, they did, bless their heart, they're gonna get $200 this year, praise the Lord. See, they know, here's the thing, they know me, they know I'm gonna bless them, and so they know how to keep the blessing going. See, they know how to get, it's like a tip at a restaurant. Can I just brag on Jesus? Yeah. I don't want you to think it's me. I'm just, I'm giving you an illustration. But I went to a, a restaurant one time, got back from Israel. It's, it, I don't want to preach too long, so help me now. Help me stay restrained. Uh, <clears throat> I got back from Israel. Pam's just laughing. <laughs> Paul said, finally, my brethren, he wrote four more chapters, okay? So when I say I'm almost done, it might not, I might be and I might not be. <clears throat> um, I hop, 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Good to come back from Israel. You know your time's all messed up. I go down there, take my laptop. I'm writing a book, and one, one kid's in there. And I said, How, what's it like at night? He said, man, it's just bad. He said, nobody gets up this early. He said, what are you doing here? And I told him why, you know. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord said, at, uh, I want you to give him $100. I said, ooh, that's a big tip. He said, he ain't got nobody in here. He said, and, he said, and now ask him why he needs $100. I said, son, come over here. Tell me why you need $100. He said, what do you know about that? I said, God just spoke to me. He said, you're really serious, man? I said, I'm serious as I can be. He said, I have a bill coming due on my car, and I'm exactly $100 short. And I said, well, that's why God got me up at 3 o'clock to give you $100. Isn't that not, is that not cool? And that made my whole day, man. I mean, I, I mean, better to give than to receive. I said, oh, that is so cool. He cried. You know, he was just like, I can't believe this man. Okay, he said, I ain't much of a Christian, but I asked God to help me this morning. I can't believe this. So it built his faith, right? But here's the coolest part. A couple of days later, I go back to the restaurant, right? And when I walk in, they're going to say, hey, no, no, you don't put him there. Right here's where he, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking care. 
People, you don't do it to be seen. You don't do it to get nothing. People remember the good you do. Can I tell you something else? They remember the bad you did to them. A restaurant where you have a bad experience, this is a known fact, and this may be an old statistic now, seven people will be told by one person about the bad experience. Those seven, let's go to so-and-so. Oh, you know, a Sue told me that's not. Then seven more here, that's 49. That's how a restaurant dies or grows based on how good it was. <clears throat> the church. <clears throat> if you leave talking bad, Seven people will hear you talk bad. And you're never going to get them when you want to come back again. Well, you told me you didn't like it. Well, I went back there and you're in bed. You're all, that's going to embarrass you. When you talk good. Well, I heard that they're crazy down there. I go there. Do I look crazy? <laughs> you know. Paw Patrol, my, my granddaughter. <laughs> Chase is on the case. You that have grandkids, you understand everything I just said. So, getting your reward is based on what you do while you're here. You may work an eight-hour-a-day job, but if you can give, that's part of your reward. Praying and interceding, God will honor your prayers here and honor you for the prayers that you committed. And every soul won because of your giving. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. God will say, okay, what do we have? How many were one? 167 people. You'll say, how did that happen? You gave tithe for 46 years. And it went around the world. And we have the record keeping here. And you're going to say, and this is going to be the coolest part. It just might be. It just might be that those 160 people are waiting over in the corner. And when the Lord says, well done, here they'll come walking up to you in white robes and grabbing you around the neck. They will know by revelation you helped get them there. So see, you can work your job and still get a reward. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a platform person. It's the, watch this, it's always the little things that you do. The cup of cold water, getting somebody a jacket that didn't have a jacket, giving those old clothes away instead of throwing away. Find out, oh, this, it's the little tiny stuff that he pays attention to. I can prove you by one verse. He's at the temple, thousands of people are giving, a lot of them have money, gold coins and silver coins, tetragrams and all that other kind of stuff, and I've got a whole collection of them from Israel. And a widow woman walks up and gives two little copper pennies called a mite. They're very small. They're always crooked. You can hardly find any that are centered. Two of them and drops them in a little thing shaped like a trumpet and walks off. And Jesus said, wow. See that one right there? By revelation, the father has told me she gave all that she had. She gave more than them all. What does that tell me? He pays attention to the dollar you gave when you only had two. He pays attention when you, the last three dollars you had, you see some little poor guy in there. You know the guy, man, just don't, you don't have it. Or some mama that's got kids and she's counting the change. And you just walk up and say, ma'am, here, just take this and pay for it. I used to be concerned when I'd give people money. Well, God, what if they take drugs with it? What if they drink alcohol with it? And I know you're the same way. I'm, I'm that way. But the Lord said, let me tell you something. What they do with it, they'll answer to me. 
It's up to you to just do what I tell you to do. Oh boy. Let's go, let's go through, let's go through this. I tell you, I feel like I'm preaching eternally, but I don't usually go this long, folks, but I've got to get this out. I've got to get this out. Okay, here we go. And now, little children, abide in him that when, you, when he shall appear, we will have confidence and not be ashamed of his coming. 1 John 2, 28. 2 Timothy 1, 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy in, the, in that day. This is the day of judgment. In how many things he ministered to me at Ephesus, you will know. Hold fast and let no man take your crown. Revelation 3. How does somebody take your crown? If you were supposed to do something in the church or in your life and you just refuse to do it, the person God raised up to take your place will get everything you were supposed to get. Okay, some people will have absolutely no reward. Colossians 3.25. But he that does wrong shall receive of the wrong which he has done and there is no respect of persons. That's deep. 2 Timothy 4, 14 through 15. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, for he greatly withstood me. So to me, number one, number one, I'm going to go this quick, is to stand at the bema, is, is Paul said, the terror of the Lord. We persuade you to do the right thing because we know what a judgment will be like. Number two, to know what's written in the books. Everything you do, and it tells you good or bad, has a record of it. You see, you can never look at the Lord and say, I did not cut them down and lie about them. He'd say, well, let's just see what day it was. And he'll, you can't, Man, let me tell you something. Nothing hides at the judgment. Number three, the losing your reward. It's very significant that you hold fast and you let no man take your crown. And your crowns and rewards are given because you tried to do the good things. You tried to operate totally off the covenant. You wanted to do everything Jesus said. You developed a mature walk with him. You responded not by emotion or because of hate or betrayal or offense. And I'm telling you something. You're looking at a guy that's had to really... I wrote books on forgiveness and didn't know I had to forgive so many people. And when they tell an absolute bald-faced lie on you, it's hard to forgive people. Thank you, all three of you, that maybe have had that happen. But God keeps saying to me, I, I love what my wife said. She said, let me tell you how I feel about everything. I know what's true. I know the truth. God knows the truth. And one day, he's going to straighten it out in heaven. And she don't worry about nothing. I'm telling you, this woman worries about nothing. She says, God's going to straighten it out. He'll straighten it out here or he's going to straighten it out there. So what you have to be concerned about is not what God's going to do with them. Not are they going to release, are they going to forgive, are they going to confess. They may never, they may be belligerent the rest of their life. That ain't your problem. Your problem is your problem. Your problem's your problem. You gotta get yourself right. I'm thinking about something. I could go on and on with this, but I'm gonna wrap, I'm gonna try to put something in, in here to try to, uh, to try to, uh, give me a second because there's two things. Okay, let me go ahead and share this. I'm gonna go from memory. One of the most stunning stories I ever heard in my life was given to me by a young man that sang with Nancy Harmon many years ago. Great singer, Nancy Harmon. And there was a pastor that 
became very sick and in the hospital near death he had an experience and he also he also was in a car wreck and he saw this angel at a car wreck and he saw him near death so he knew it was like a guardian angel but let me talk about the near-death experience in the hospital the angel of god came to him he had like double pneumonia flu this is way before COVID, of course and he was very very sick man and a light came into the room a being of light and he had his eyes open just enough to see it and it took, he saw its hand go like this and it reached and grabbed him by the arm pulled his spirit out of his body and he thought i'm dying this is death and he said immediately i went up in through the ceiling like going up and then next thing i know i'm in this huge tunnel moving fast and then i'm standing in a tunnel not going up like this but going out like this like a, like a railroad tunnel big tunnel and i am standing here with this being okay and i'm holding a book it's that quick and there's someone in front of me front of me front, there is this long line and all of a sudden the line starts moving and he said as it starts moving it's like not like standing in a normal line and then they're in a room he said now he told my friend he said this room was so massive it was a big round almost like a like a like a theater like a you know you ever seen a bull ring in spain the ra they're kind of round but it was there were hundreds of thousands or millions of people there <clears throat> beautiful floor and a throne this way but he could not see the face on the throne he could only see the back of it and he said as you're standing there it's tiered it goes up 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 like that and everybody's standing there and then another round and it's like really known people that were famous are on the first row these are people that everybody knew then there's another tier another tier and he said i'm thinking oh my god what is this what is going on so he has this book and he said suddenly he realizes that everybody has a little podium and a book and some have one book and some have stacks and this is the, the what i'm going to tell you i will not name the person because i don't think that's fair across from him and he said although it was massive it's like when you looked god brought a telescope in where you could see everybody up close was a big time well-known this is in the 1980s early 80s television preacher that had book after book after book after book after book and he thought oh wow then he realized could this be the judgment he's got you know he's got something in his hand but he's not paying attention he's looking beside this man was a stately woman now you could tell when i say old not old like 80 90 looking but older than just a 20 30 40 year old but mature and very beautiful hair and said she was standing and the lord said to him that's his intercessor that's a woman that prayed for him from the beginning of his ministry he said, wow she has one book he got stacks he said all of a sudden there was this really fearful feeling that he felt he said you could see it in the eyes of everybody as the throne got larger the back of it opened and fire came out of it when fire came out it shot toward the people and it literally went around every book and every book did one of two things he said it either burnt to ashes now i can i can go to the bible and show you this your works will be wood hay and stubble and be burnt to ashes or they will come forth as gold or precious stones remember it's in the bible 
In others, there were these massive, just they were like pre-cut. They were gemstones of every color. And some people that had ashes started weeping convulsively. The people that had gemstones were saying, look at this. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is so beautiful. And he said it was, they were beautiful. The preacher's books all burn up. And he was big time. He was well known. All burn up. And he started weeping. And he said, the next scene changed. And he said, I believe God showed me this for a reason. But the next scene, I'm standing again here. Okay. Here is this woman again. And she has one little book again. And she lays it down. And Jesus somehow has all these gemstones she had in her hand. Listen now. And then when she lays the book down, it turns into gold. But it's liquid gold. It melts behind an altar. Jesus goes on one knee and takes, I love this, this just like, this messed with me. He takes the gold and makes a crown with his hands. He places them in a different position all over the crown. And a, just a few moments later, he stands up. He said, well done, daughter. Wow. And this woman, what the large woman kind of, she just starts shouting, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you. And he said, here, and he places this crown on her head. And she's doing that little Pentecostal. Oh, thank you. You know, she's just going crazy, just crying and shouting. Then he looks, and the, the, uh, the well-known preacher's in front of him, stack of books, lays it down. It goes to ashes. And instead of saying to that preacher, well done, Jesus had a scepter. He said, and I meant to tell you that. And when he touched it, it's when it either turned to gold or it burned. He would touch it. <laughs> It would vanish, or he would touch it, and it would turn to the gold. And he just looked at the man, and he said, enter into the kingdom. He never told him, well done. He just said, he told the lady, well done. And then when he said, when I was about to come next, I was terrified. And Jesus just said, no, and held his hand up. And I went back in my body into the room. He did his best to call this preacher in 1984. I think it was 84. Could not get through to him. And he would tell people, you've got to get me through because he's about to fall. Wow. Something's about to happen. Wow. And I'm telling you, it happened exactly the way the man saw it. And I'm not going to judge him on the rewards now. I don't know. But God was showing him that if something didn't happen, that the reward would not be there. But the other people who stood with it and helped it happen and helped win souls, they would get the reward. Are you listening? Because they supported it. And God, many people were saved. Now, when I heard that, I'm telling you, it, I never forgot it. I heard this 25 years ago. I never forgot it, but it put a healthy fear of the Lord in me. And I've always teased, and Pam's heard me say this for years, I do not do what I do for money. I don't even charge churches anything to come. I don't say you got to do this, you got to do that. Haven't done it in 46 years and never will. Whatever comes in, comes in. Everything on that book and tape table, my wife and I do not take money from that at all. It goes to Voice of Evangelism and always has. I wrote a commentary of the book, one million, book, one million word commentary on a Bible. I've written 100 books, including 20 bestsellers. And one company had me write 16 books and they gave me a writer's advance and that's all I ever got. Every book went back to the ministry. Everything you see on manifest goes back. You know why? Can I tell you why? Because I, I determined years ago that if, all, if I got my stuff here, I'm going to die one day. What good did it do? But if I lay my treasure up in heaven, 
So, Pastor, I've always said, I want a crown so big. I said, I, want, I work myself like crazy. She knows it. My wife knows it. I want a crown so big that somebody who didn't get one has to haul mine around in a gold wagon. Because I want to tell you, I try to do everything I can the best. I'm not perfect, but I try to do everything I can the best way I can and do it right because I know this book. Because the greatest words you'll ever hear will be this. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't want anybody here to go out under condemnation because here's the thing. If you will make things right now, if you will truly repent now. Now, repent doesn't just make, well, I'm sorry I did that. It means to turn. And, it, the, and sometimes, listen, I know for a fact, sometimes you can't make things right with other people because they don't let you. You'd love to do it, but they, they don't let you. They don't receive it. But you do the best you can to make things right. You do the best you can to follow the Lord. Do the little things he said. And if you always keep a repentant spirit, always keep your heart open to him then you will not have to be afraid to stand before him because your good works will outweigh anything. Your good words will outweigh anything. See, so there is a fear, but if you've done the right thing, it will be a blessing to be able to stand and be able to say, Lord, I tried to do everything you told me. I really did. You, you know that. Lord, I kept a repentant heart. I forgave people. I love people, God, sometimes that we're not. And he'll say, I know, the books show it. The books show it. <laughs> Amen. But I want to say this to you, and we're going to wrap it up for this service. Sometimes you know that there are things that are a stumbling block for you personally. Sometimes you know that there are things in your life that are a hindrance to you personally. Not necessarily people, but things or habits or some people fight different kinds of bondages in their life. I could just go on and on. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask a question. And normally we do that little, oh, everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. We do that out of respect to the Lord and for people. But this is one time I want you to show the Lord because you know he looks, his eyes are upon us. The Holy Spirit is here and he sees us. He already knows your condition. It's, you can't hide it from him. But how many of you will say, Perry, I really feel like there's, it could be one thing. It could be just one thing. It could be two things, but there's something in my life that I haven't totally given it over to God. And I know if I don't, eventually it's going to catch up with me. It's going to get me. And I just want you to pray with me tonight that I will literally be able to let the bitterness, the anxiety, the, the fear, the, the, the offense, bitterness, whatever it might be, whatever it is, habits, whatever. I want you to really agree with me that God will give me peace and help me to let this go. And eventually I can. Sometimes you can do it instantly. Sometimes it's a progress. It's a work in progress. But I want to lay aside weight and any kind of sin that has beset me. I really do. Because I want to hear him say, well done. If you are here and you say there is something, and I want you to agree with me, Perry, that I'll be able to let it go. Put your hand up right now. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. That, look at, no wonder I preached this. See, the Lord knew that. Here's what I want you to do. And I know most of you, are, you love the Lord. I know that. But this is one of those messages of checking your, your heart.
and, and, and God, God's showing you. See, God doesn't do this to try to condemn anybody. God does this to say, man, I want you right. I want, I want you, I want you, we have righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, you know? So everyone, and can you put that on the platform, brother, so we'll have some room. Everyone that raised your hand, just those that raised your hand, stand to your feet, if you will, please. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Come down here to the front, near the, near the beam, <laughs> the beam of the platform, and just fill up the front right here. Just fill up either side. If you, only the ones that raised your hand. pray but I just tell you what the spirit of the Lord told me and I haven't haven't felt anything like this in a while he said that this will be your initial moment this is your initial prayer but wherever you live tonight if it's a trailer a cabin house apartment wherever you live I'm gonna give you some instruction you may have plans tonight or you may have something to do but I want to give you some instruction if you will tonight, don't turn on any television set like you normally would. Or don't even go to your to social media and check anything. If you can do this tonight, I want you to go to your room. If you're married, both the husband and wife go together. Put the kids to bed if you got kids, but go, go together. And I want you to sit up in the bed. I want you to get you a bunch of pillows and prop up. And I want you to do nothing but just meditate to the, on the Lord and sing to the Lord and talk to Him from your heart. You don't have to be loud. If you want to be loud, that's your business. You don't have to be. But I want you to spend time with Him. Some of you, this is the first prayer. But you've got to follow up tonight, is what I'm saying. Um, now, I'm getting a word of knowledge, and I've been doing this lately a lot more to the God, glory of God. There's a couple here that your marriage is in real trouble. And uh, I'm going to tell you how, how it is. Your companion has told you that they don't feel like that you really care about them the way that you used to when you were married. And you argue quite a bit off and on. And I'm going to tell you, as a man, what happens to you, you have a tendency of doing one or two things, getting very angry or shutting down completely. And when you shut down completely, you either go into another part of the house and just say, just leave me alone, or you get in a vehicle and you drive away. Or you, you break out in an argument. And I want to tell you something. Huh. See that woman right there? I've been married to her 41 years. And I, I teased my friends and I said, I want her with me till we're real old if the Jesus doesn't come. I want her, I want her. I See that woman, I wouldn't trade her in, give her up, and I wouldn't let nobody else have her either. I said, baby, if you ever leave me, I'm following you. She just laughs, she just cackles when I say that. Let me tell you why. I used to tell my friends, it took me years to train her. I don't want to train nobody else. Are you kidding me? She'd just look at me and she'd just go, now Perry. To see, my love for her, whether we have a disagreement or not, we don't have many disagreements, and that's the truth. 
my love for her and my kids outweighs anything else. And so we make up if we have a disagreement. We made an agreement years ago. I'll never go to, I said, we'll never go to bed angry. And here's why. I know some people, I have a friend that works for me, went to bed angry. She died in the middle of the night. And he never got to tell her he loved her. And it tore him up. It's not worth, listen, what you deal with that's dividing you, for what? I mean, really, for what? It's not worth it. When all is said and done and you're sitting there, somebody's helping you, somebody's taking care of you, somebody's loving you. I'm going along with this, I know, but I have to do it. So whoever you are, this is the beginning of God starting. Stand with me all over the congregation. No, no, no one leaving, but just stand with me, please. Put your hand up and stretch them in this direction. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going, I want you to ask the Lord, God, whatever it is in me, and maybe you know what it is, that's, that's the block and the stumbling block. This is, a, this, is a, this is an exposure stumbling block night. The thing that's making you stumble. God, I want it. Please get rid of it. Please help show me how to get victory over it. Okay, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, as we lift our hands together in the name of Jesus, as we lift our hands, we come to you because we know that the Spirit of God has come down. We know that this is a word of knowledge. We know that this is a word of wisdom. We know, Spirit of God, that what you told us today to preach is very important. And obviously, Heavenly Father, the response of what I'm seeing now shows that this was the word of the Lord. Father, just stir their hearts the way you did mine some time back when I saw this and I began to realize the important importance God and the significance of following you Lord and doing the right thing saying the right thing walk on the right way God because of the judgment because of the bema Lord help people to love you so much that nothing will turn their heads nothing will turn their eyes it's all about loving you God it's not just about religion it's not just about the Bible but it's about getting so full of you Lord that we love you more than anybody else more than anything else and that will change our heart Lord help people to understand we can't change ourselves, but the Holy Spirit does the more word we have the more love that we have for God it'll transform our life let everybody in this building fall in love with Jesus all over again let them fall in love with his presence all over again God when they go home tonight and they listen just like I used to do when I was a teenage preach, preacher and I was called to preach and I just sit on the bed Lord and just pray in the Holy Ghost until I'd get caught up in a zone I'd get caught up somewhere between heaven and earth let it happen to them in the name of Jesus this weekend while we're here let it be a start I pray and father for anyone who's praying right now that needed to come to you anyone that needed a relationship with you forgive them of their sins forgive them of any sin come on don't you pray that right now God forgive me of any sin anything that's there go ahead and pray it everybody God forgive us of anything that's there anything even if it's an attitude God forgive us of any attitude that should not be there and let the Spirit of the Lord have his way and let the power of God deliver men and women I pray in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody close your eyes and raise your hands and just bless him would you just bless the Lord would you bless him right now praise God. come on right out loud just declare your love for God oh we love you Jesus we love you Lord we give you praise and we give you glory Oh, we give you honor. Thank you. Come on, lead us. Lead us in worship. One word from you. Things change. Things change.
surrendered and given your life to Christ you might not have ever truly repented I'd invite you to do it now you say that's me I've, I've never really given my life to Jesus won't you do it today before the service is concluded here in just a few moments you say that's me pastor pray with me right out loud say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and help me to fulfill all of the purpose that you have for me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a hunger for your word. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you as a sign of surrender all across this place. Those online, just lift your hands to heaven. That's where your help comes from. Lord, right now, fill these. Break every bondage, break every chain. Fill these with your Holy Spirit now. Right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The evidence is speaking in tongues right now. Be filled. We thank you. We praise you. Would you put your best hand clap together for God? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.